Welcome to the podcast that showcases the rural town careers and opportunities you need to know about. Welcome to What's Your 9 to 5. Hey everybody, welcome back to the What's Your 9 to 5 podcast. I'm Georgia. And I'm Karis. And today we're interviewing Julian Peter, who run the Bicycle Cafe in Flesheton. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your restaurant? Sure. So, um, a little bit about ourselves. Uh, well, as you said, Julie and Peter, um, we've been married for uh, since 1998. You do the math. Because <laughs> that's a long time. This will be time. our 24th year of <laughs> that's a, marriage. That's a long time to be married. Um, and we are, uh, yeah, we've done a whole bunch of things in our our lives together and we never imagined that one of them would be running a restaurant. What do you want to tell them about yourself, Peter? I always kind of thought it might happen. I didn't have a, a plan for it, but considering all the things that we've bumped around doing, it, it's I'm not surprised that this is one of the things we ended up doing. So yeah, I'm uh my life is pretty much uh, melded into Julie's for 24 years, so I am who we are. <laughs> Good answer, honey. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the great things about the bicycle is how much individual personality it has. And I was wondering, where does the style come from and the music? Uh, by style, are you, are you talking about the aesthetic of the actual restaurant itself? Yeah, yeah. I just, I know that music is a big part of your restaurant because I've been to the bicycle <laughs> and I was just wondering if you want to talk about it a little bit. Sure. Well, I mean, I guess what someone would call the vibe there is uh, really it's just having a theater background, we've collected a lot of things and uh, myself personally, I've, I'm a bit of a, a, a I'm a sucker for nostalgia. I can't throw anything away. I wouldn't say I'm a pack rat. I would. I, I would say he's a well, pack rat. Well, that's my line. I mean, nostalgic value and just keeping something. You know, my dad's a pack rat. He keeps broken screwdrivers, right? I keep, like, the screwdriver that saved us from the submarine. <laughs> There's a difference there. So, I mean, the inside is 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 pretty much, you'll see all this stuff, and people are always like, oh, where did you get this stuff? Did you, did you get it at... Like you shop at vintage stores. It's like, no, this is just crap that would otherwise be in my attic. <laughs> As for the music, um, really, it's just a justification for me to spend money on records, uh, which is really my <laughs> only kind of vice. Uh, and I mean, I kind of joke about that, but also as artists, you know, as theater artists, we, we have a lot of art in our life. Um, gifts in our house are often artwork of all kinds um, and records are just an extension of that. And I think um, I like, I like an environment where there's music playing um, and uh, I, I curating a, a, a sonic environment, I think is, is part of the experience as well as a, the cuisine. Yeah. I have to say that um, as a person who works front of house in the restaurant, um, our guests are often delighted by Peter's musical choices because he's very good at reading the room and going, hmm, I think I'll play this. 
and people will be like, oh my God, that's, I haven't heard that record in years and I can't believe you're playing that. I mean, he doesn't always get it right. It's, it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of a game though. It's when you, whenever, when I'm changing a record, if I see someone coming in, I'm always like, okay, I'm going to pick a record for these people that just came in. Cause they're probably going to hear the whole thing. And uh, a lot of the time I'll nail it. And they'll be like, I've, I've never, this is on vinyl. And we're like, I've never, I haven't heard this since I was 12 or, you know, that's pretty satisfying. That's kind of, I mean, that's kind of a, like a, a DJ thing to try to read the room. I would never consider myself a, a DJ, but um, there's an element to that with it. It's, the record player is right beside the stove. So it's funny. My joke with people is always, it's, it's a guarantee that I'll wash my hands at least every 22 minutes. <laughs> to flip the record. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to keep the records clean <sighs> as I can. Um, so who's in charge of what at the restaurant? Like, do you both have specific jobs? Yeah. Uh, so Peter does all the cooking with, with, uh, we have two other staff right now who work with him in the kitchen. So he's responsible for the menu development and, you know, all the food ordering and all the, like the main cooking. I, I can fill in if one of our staff is, is not able to, but I prefer um, actually, I shouldn't say I prefer, I am really an introvert. So I think I'm better suited for like being behind the, the low wall of the kitchen, but I work, um, I work the floor mainly. So I'll be far like... away from my scrutiny. <laughs> <laughs> when I worked in a, when I worked in the restaurant, I was always at the back. Cause I was just so, I always like to be quiet. I'm like, I'm yeah. just going to keep to myself, listen to the music and just like pretend like I'm, I'm no one right now. Yeah, I think I would be like the happiest being like the dishwasher. Um, Except that you're very social. I mean, I'm <clears throat> when I get social, I tend to say crazy things that freak people out. And then I realize why I should be in the kitchen. Whereas you can always sort of be very, um, you know, you say the right things to the right people and you're not going for any sort of shock effect or, <laughs> or making the joke or, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. And we, our kids work for us now too. So um, our son is a dishwasher, learning to be barista, answering the phone and doing some serving. And he's 16. And then our daughter, uh, Celeste, who's 13, is actually an amazing barista. She does all the fancy coffees and uh, she takes orders and answers the phone and also does dishes. So it's been great to be able to have them um, on staff as well, um, along with the uh, currently just two other people because you know covid <laughs> we don't have huge staffing needs right now and especially for the rest of the the month um doing takeout only so yeah. we don't have a lot of staff though it's a, no we don't it's, usually it's a you know it's a small house yeah that, that as much as covid's been a drag for the industry it's it's actually really helped us to sort of refine a team and uh, it's you know as good as it gets right now as far as i can tell um, and it, it, it does happen to be a female staff except for me and my son, but um, I can't help but think that has something to do with it. We do have two really amazing people working for us. Shout out to Alicia and Nikita, who are really amazing. Yeah, they've, yeah. they've really made a, a world of difference to our business. Um, do you guys have a favorite thing to cook on the menu? Does water making a glass of water for someone count? <laughs> I, I get frustrated when when a table comes in and they all order the same thing. I just want to like scream at people. That's you know that's it's funny you know I, it, 
making food. It's an open kitchen, so everybody's in the same room. And there are days, I don't know, it's it's weird. It's I can be a little bit surly though. Again, this is why I stay in the back. Um I, I don't know. I like I like making I like making something for someone and knowing that it's going to surpass their expectation of what they're, they've ordered. And, and, and because it's an open kitchen, I can hear that usually when it gets to them. And uh, that's satisfying, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's it, whether it's um, an oatmeal pancake or a, a steak dinner or some weird, you know, exotic Asian thing that someone in our area that's not really traveled too far can't believe what they're tasting or that you can put lime with that. Um, you know, mm. yeah. So that that's that's satisfying to me. Um yeah, I think that's the important part. Yeah. What made you choose Flusherton? Oh man. Well, you I, do have an answer to that. Yeah, I mean it's just so long. I'm I'm just trying to think I'm gonna um so um when I went like in 1980 I used to come up here as a kid because of my sister who married into a family who had a chalet up here for the longest time and uh we we would come up here basically to go skiing uh in the valley and uh so I was always familiar with the area. I do have, I have relatives, like, like my grandmother is from Karlsruhe. So I have, I have family in like Mildmay and Neustadt and, and these areas in, in cemeteries mostly now, but um, you know, I'm sure cousins and things all over the place, a large, you know, Catholic German family. Um, so the, the area was always familiar to me. And, and uh, we used to just drive through this town uh on the way to Beaver Valley from Kitchener. And I, I always say it's crazy. Me and my father used to always pass this, the pond that we live beside now and say, isn't that a great pond? Wouldn't it be great to live on that pond? And like, here we are in the town living in the house beside the damn pond. Um, <laughs> and, and when, when the reason why we finally landed here is my sister who married into the family up here, they eventually kind of semi-retired and bought some property up here to kind of have a, a little farm project with their kids. They're much, my sister's much older. I'm the youngest. Um, so 12 years ago, we were here and we had a thing for my dad at the, at the Muncha house here, which was a restaurant that was operating at that time. And uh, we, we um, were here and my whole family rented the top floor of this in place. And, and this, this, space that we're in where the bicycle is was for rent fully fully equipped restaurant sign up and me and julie were like oh look at that that's that's interesting what an in you know what's a cool little space in this cool little town that i'm familiar with um but we had to kind of put it aside and then shortly after that i lost my job at the film festival um i was let go um and uh we won't talk about that <laughs> and uh that makes it sound like something bad happened well it, it wasn't bad i mean it was good for me in the end um, i you know it was uh no comment um the uh so we said you know what maybe we should call that number and we did just to check it out because um 
change is good. And I didn't want to make a horizontal move into uh, the same kind of work. And uh, it one thing led to another when we ended up here uh, within three months or so. We had solar house in, in uh, downtown Toronto, a little tar paper roadhouse, row house and uh, moved here. And then, then it began. That's it's there's no short version. <laughs> um, so prior to owning your own restaurant, did you have any restaurant experience before that? Um, I worked in a catering kitchen for years in Toronto for Lindsay Shaw Catering. And so I did um, a lot of food prep there and worked in restaurants, really. Like I worked at Cafe Brussels, but I wasn't allowed anywhere near the food or the kitchen during that time. It was very high end. So I was just I wasn't even allowed to serve I was just like follow, following around servers. <laughs> yes, very traditional. All the servers were men. Um, and then I worked, yeah, I've worked in several, several restaurants, but never um, the only, the only like cooking I ever did was for a caterer. You worked in restaurants too, though. Yeah. I, one of my first jobs when I was 14 was working in this. I don't even know how I got that job it was my, my sister got it for me. I was working at it behind a bar basically on this grill when I it was ridiculous I shouldn't have been there but you know I I've always said I when I was little I I was involved in the kitchen uh making meals and, and stuff it was always a comfortable place um so yeah I, I on and off gravitated to restaurant work uh, a different capacity uh, mostly in the kitchen um a little bit of bartending but uh yeah you, you know we've always Julie may not have had restaurant experience but is a great cook herself and uh Aww. we like to make food and eat and uh I think mostly we like to host we are host kind of people uh that's kind of the main thing is um we like to we like to serve people and make them happy and uh treat them well yeah uh, hoping that it it kind of comes our direction someday <laughs> <laughs> What is your most popular item on your menu? Most popular? Um, um, that's a good question. I think most recently it's been the banh mi. We make this uh, Vietnamese-inspired sandwich, and people love it. And we we we, we offer it with uh, both uh, pork, and we can do tofu as well. I think, you know... Now that I've said that, ever since we've introduced tofu to the menu, that has been extremely popular. We sell so much tofu now. It's crazy. So much tofu. It's great. Yeah. I mean, less faces, right? People are very, very interested in, um, I think, eating less meat. And we're very interested in serving less meat, for sure. So um, that's probably one, been one of the most popular things. And we, But we still sell tons of chicken, anything. People love chicken. I don't get it. It's like, <laughs> uh, chicken's great and everything, but it's kind of like, if, if uh, it's like the dumpling of meat, it's just like whatever you put on it, you know, but people love, we, we sell a lot of those chicken shawarmas as well. We do kind of, we do versions of, of a lot of our menu is food that when we left the city, it's like, if I can't get this downtown, I have to make it myself kind of stuff. So it's like, I guess you would refer to it as kind of, there's, there's an international vibe, uh, but it's kind of street fair, I guess, I guess they would call it. Um, it's lots of flavor, um, like ready to go, freshly made, um, this kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, the, like the shawarmas and the, the banh mi and um, yeah, those are pretty. We sell a lot of bats still too. this bacon avocado tomato sandwich that we make that. It's people, really good. People just like. Lose. They love it. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, 
And I'm just wondering, where do your recipes come from? Um, well, Peter makes up a lot of stuff or we like Google how, you know, how to, yeah. and honestly, the joy of cooking has been a great resource <laughs> for us our whole life. Yeah, yeah. Like we, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to spill a big secret. Trade but secrets. Yeah. One we have, we make this cheesecake and everyone's like, this is the best cheesecake I've ever eaten. It's such a good cheesecake. And it's from the joy of cooking. Yeah. We always tell people where, where our recipes come from. If we've gotten them from somewhere. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the things are are variations of things that that we figured out how to make or that we make with the kind of ingredients that we're able to get our hands on. Um, and uh, so, yeah, there is some like tweaking and tooling, but I mean, ultimately any recipe starts either with a, a deep knowledge of food so you can identify a flavor profile and build it back from your, your senses I, frankly, I'm not, I'm not so good at that. Um, but uh, there's, I mean, there's so much conversations with people online, cookbooks, whatever, and you, you just keep tweaking things. And then of course, volume dictates uh, how that's made, when it's made and in what stages availability of, you know, we don't live in the city. So even getting things like chili peppers, fresh chilies up here is a bit of a chore. Um, so I'll make runs into Brampton once a month to get some certain like more Asian style um, ingredients and stuff. Um, so, I mean, if things are defined that way, uh, the, the main thing about our menu is, is that we try to make as many things as possible with the ingredients that we have. So there's a lot of just sort of using different variations so we can buy more, keep it fresh, rotated. We don't do specials. We don't make soups, which are generally things where like yesterday's meals go to die. Um, they're still delicious, but you know, let's not pretend that a soup at a restaurant isn't yesterday's, you know, you know, roast chicken. Um, a lot of the time, um, things like that. So yeah, that's that's the main thing: keeping it fresh and um, and uh, moving it, and you know, being creative with the ingredients. A lot, a lot of a lot of items too come from things that we eat as staff that we throw things together, and it's like you know, we eat this all the time. We should. Put a version of this on the menu and then there it is and sure enough people are like this tastes amazing <laughs> so there you go um do you have like a typical customer or like a target audience that you like have aimed for to come to your restaurant or do you just like want everybody to come like it doesn't matter who we really do want everybody to come um i would say that we catch a lot of travelers who are traveling often from the gta up to somewhere <clears throat> in the bruce peninsula because we're right on Highway 10. So we do get a lot, especially in the summer, you know, people who are uh, road weary and chose not to stop at the Tim Hortons in Dundalk. Um, they were like, let's stop here instead. So sometimes it's just someone coming through for a coffee. Sometimes they come and sit down and have a meal. Um, we really aim to be uh, inviting and accessible to everyone. Um, so, we, you know, we, we've served, we've served all types and um, we never, we, I remember Peter and I once having a conversation about, you know, we, we'd be happy to just have people who come in and sit with their laptops and have a coffee, you know, and just use the place like as a cafe. And we don't get a lot of that, to be honest. We have a, you know, we have a few people that come by, um, but it's not really that kind of a place because locals usually will do that in their homes. So um, we get a lot of just people on the road. Yeah, it was it was born a lot out of us driving around the province and 
you know, we like to road trip a little bit and stuff, and we're always kind of disappointed by the places we come across. Um, just because it just, there's not so many places anymore, it seems, where you can go in and get a meal made by a person who kind of gives it. And, uh, you know, to be able to make a meal for uh, one person or a family or a, 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 a someone who's um, celiac or, or a, a wife who's vegetarian and a husband who eats only meat and to, to, <laughs> to keep that, like that ability to serve those people. And the main thing is what the, when they leave in 40 minutes, they're not in a ditch because they've fallen asleep with a big wheat belly or or some meat coma or or you know the portions that they felt they needed to eat because there was so much on their plate uh like we always say to people like don't eat while you're driving because you're what we're going to make you will probably explode all over your lap um but we don't try to like induce a coma with our, our portioning and and ingredients um i i think that's important too you know the, the 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 positive experience should should linger and you should think about your meal for hours or days after it if you if you if you've been if you've made a proper meal uh you know that's the memory and being on the road that's a big part of it because when they come home from their trip or come back next year to visit that relative again they'll hopefully stop and get the exact same experience that's the goal yeah i feel like being on the road is like the best time to try out new restaurants like i love road when I try new restaurants on the road I feel like I think about them forever mm -hmm. yeah um do you want to talk a little bit about the sustainable choices you've made for your restaurant or on your menu yeah um I mean we're very committed to to that aspect of running our business um <clears throat> we you know uh spend more money on uh biodegradable takeout containers and utensils and straws and that kind of stuff. We won't sell bottled water anymore. I just can't do it. So if somebody wants water, I'll give them a glass of water. Um, you know, it doesn't mean we don't have other things in bottles, but just the idea of bottling water. Oh my God. Um, and, you know, we try to um, source all of our ingredients as locally as we can. We use a local butcher for our meat. We, you know, we have someone local who's growing sunflower shoots and other microgreens for us. Um, you know, we do, we do, we do what we can to reduce waste. We recycle. We bring all of our compost home. We have a big, um, what we call a, what is called a hugel culture in our yard. And I really shouldn't be the one talking about that because it's been really Peter's uh, labor of love. But it's a big garden that needed to be found, like started with 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 tons of compost. Um, you layer compost and then wood and then compost. So we've created that and we have a, a compost pile. So nothing, you know, anything that we can keep out of landfill, we do. We have um, cloth napkins and. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we're doing what everybody else is doing. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I always feel like blowing our own horns at this point, unless you're actually like a fast food chain, every restaurant is doing their best. Mostly because it's there's a there's a cost savings to it as well. I mean, and you know, you don't get a lot of crappy plastic throwaway roadside kind of places anymore because people won't come back. They they people are onto it. Um, we don't talk a lot about sourcing and being green and stuff because it's kind of like you know we should all be just doing like that. if we're not doing this like like you can ask the questions when you come in and 
you know, there's a fine line of like grass fed this and local that, you know, we, we serve one of our biggest items that we sell is avocado. We're, we don't have an avocado tree in Gray County, you know, and anybody who drinks a coffee and says they're focused on, on, you know, eating local, it's like, there's a balance, you know, of what you can, what you eat and what you consume. And the biggest thing is not to waste anything, I think, and to respect that a, um, you know, a mango comes from here or a papaya comes from here, you know, those, that's, that's what needs to be accepted and appreciated and that the cost reflects that, that transport of that food to where you get it. Um, I mean, as, yeah, as far as garbage goes and all that stuff, you know, we, we, you know, I think we throw it maybe a bag or two of garbage a week, like a black plastic bag of garbage, um, even at our peak periods. All our containers, I, I save and wash and I stack the, you know, like I'm constantly like people are coming in like, do you need plastic panels with lids? And like, I find homes for a lot of this stuff. All our packing materials we send to a local candle maker who she ship, use it to ship her stuff wherever she ships to, I'm sure around the world at this point. Um, so, I, I mean, it's just that kind of stuff. I think that we, we look for every opportunity to be realistic about um the, our footprint, I guess, is what it's called, right? Yeah. And it's kind of fun, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you could eat only one thing on your menu for the rest of your life, what would it be? <laughs> Spoonfuls of tahini sauce. Oh. <laughs> we make really good tahini. Although, I don't know if that would meet all of my nutritional yeah. needs. <laughs> one, one of my, one of my like items of that is on the menu, which is a falafel. I can't, Oh yeah. if I, like, if I, if it came down, like when I start whittling that list down to top 10, top five, top three falafel is always on it. And then only in the last couple of years, and it took uh, COVID to do this because we had to move to more sort of take up friendly items that I finally said, I'm going to figure out how to make a falafel and nail it the way I like it and the way it should be uh so that that for sure and that's like a miracle i mean uh, like flavels are perfect as far as i'm concerned they've got everything going on um you're not eating a, a, anyone's body you know <laughs> i i, I talk Gross. like i talk like but i talk like that because people need to understand that they're eating a body and i yeah. eat meat but it's like i have to remind myself that I, yeah i love my dog you know and i like i love my cats like like we have to be, we have to always be thinking that way, you know. Just, just so everyone knows, there's no dog or cat on our menu. No, <laughs> that's for sure. But I would have them in the restaurant if we could. I know, but we can't apparently. <laughs> but yeah, so my mine would definitely be a, a, a falafel. falafel and mango juice. Oh my god, mango juice. That's that sounds great. Yeah. yeah. What you is make one it thing? an Arabian date smoothie that is like you know, pure like energy and joy. <laughs> we love eating our food. That, I think that says a lot. What is one thing you would like your regular customers to know? We love them. <laughs> we really, we <laughs> know what we really do. We do. We love them. We have some of the best people in our community and, you know, in the, and beyond, we've got regulars that come from afar. Um, who have been incredibly supportive and um, just really kind people. And they, they have a huge impact, you know, if they come once a year or if they come once a week, you know, it's, it's, or anywhere in between, 
we are deeply appreciative appreciative to to them for their business and um yeah and we care about their heart and their liver and their colon <laughs> it's true though and what's one thing you would like your future customers to know oh um yeah that we're ready for them <laughs> keep the volume down on your devices <gasps> yes um bring your kids but uh keep them under control um keep mostly keep the volume down on your kids devices yeah don't come in with uh yeah don't come in with guns blazing there's a lot of people doing different things in our environment and uh and the customer isn't always right at the bicycle cafe because it's our it's like you're coming into our environment and we're very very democratic and very diplomatic but um uh, we've been here long enough that, you know what, if you don't like it, there's other places to go. And, you know, I, I hope you find them, but um, we're welcoming to everyone. And to that point, Julie made, we are, we have one of our main focuses was, was, was creating an inclusive environment for any, any kind of person, no matter who they are. And we've thrown out people for being, you know, sexist and racist yeah. and, out you go. I don't care. Gone. Never tell everybody. Yeah. Zero, zero tolerance for that. Sorry. For that beep. <laughs> Dropping an S bomb. Um, if someone was interested in working at the bicycle, how would they apply? Uh, I, you know, thing. we, um, we, I gave some thought to this, to all your questions, but to this question in particular, that we we feel that anything that you're going to do at the bicycle, you can learn. You don't have to come with any skills. Uh, you don't have to go to culinary school or anything like That's that. Sure. We would much rather a person shows up with the resume that just says they babysat Um then someone emails us a copy of their their resume yeah. with piles and piles of experience <clears throat> because um, the one of the the best qualities of someone working with us is the their um, ability to show up show up and be themselves and show up at the space and see if it's somewhere that they actually want to work anyone can find the bicycle online and send a resume not everyone knows if they would really want to work somewhere like the bicycle. So come in, tell us who you are. You know, we always chat when someone shows up with a resume. I'm more interested in talking to the person yep. than actually reading the resume. Um, and it's really about, about desire. And it's about, um, you know, we, we can teach people how to, how to serve and, and cook and all Easily. that stuff. Yeah. And, and to be unapologetic about learning. But one thing I have, again, zero tolerance for is people, who are sorry about everything they do. It's like, stop being sorry. You're like, this is, this is a place to learn and grow. And like, if you, if you, if you get mad and throw all the dishes down the stairs, then maybe you should apologize <laughs> after you clean it up. But if you're just like cut the carrot to the wrong size, it's like, you know, yeah. we can work on that. And like, yeah, like, especially young people, it's like, stop saying sorry for everything. Yeah. I remember I was cutting mushrooms and I didn't, and we were cutting them in like slivers and I was cutting them too big. He's like, oh, you can just cut them a little smaller. Like, I'll show you how to do it. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like shaking while cutting it. I was like, yeah. I did something wrong. I was yeah. just going to say, yeah, me and Karis went through a lot of times this summer when we were working together where we did so many things wrong and we were so nervous. So it's reassuring to hear that. Yeah. 
but also, you know, we work hard. You have to we yeah. want people who want to work, you yeah. know, we kind of, it's a very collective environment. Obviously we're the owners, but the staff have a voice. Um, you know, we are the, I mean, people, it, it's all about having a voice. And if you're not comfortable with something or you need to learn something or you don't understand something, you, you say that and you, you know, you, uh, we, we nurture that and input is as important as output, you know, so, yeah. Okay, well, to wrap up the interview, we're going to play a little game. Uh -oh. um, we're going to say a quote from a movie, a food-related quote, and you have to name the movie it's from. If you need a hint, we can give you three options to pick from. Okay. So, I know I'm going to be terrible at wow. this, but I'm really looking, really looking forward I, to it. I see how terrible I am. Um, so the first quote is, as God is my witness, I'll never be hungry again. Wow. So you can get um, a hint if you want it. God is my witness. I'll never be hungry. All I could think of was moonlighting. All I can think like of Like all is... the Italian food that shares eating and making. No, I don't know. What is, what's a hint? Um, so it's either A, Casablanca, B, It's a Wonderful Life, or C, Gone with the Wind. It sounds like a Gone with the Wind kind of thing to say. I was going to say Casablanca. I have no idea. It was Gone with the Wind. Oh, good one, Peter. Yay. Okay. I was gonna, if it was Wonderful Life, then that would be a real We didn't film. watch that this year, though. But yeah, I was sure it wasn't from that. The second quote is, a martini shaken, not stirred. That's just a Bond quote, is it not? James Bond? And, and yeah. martinis are food, I guess, if, they, if, they're, <laughs> if they're dirty enough. We do make an excellent martini at the, at, I should say Julie makes an excellent martini. Do we have to know which James Bond movie that's from? Well, no. <laughs> the movie is Goldfinger, but I'll still give you the point. Mostly. Um, the third quote is, put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers. I don't see any closers here. Oh, that's... Uh, Did Leonardo DiCaprio say that? Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? Yes, it is. Nice. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm impressed. I'm not that much of it. <laughs> and the last quote we have is, Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Oh, that could be a mirror. That could be a... Kill Bill. No, it's like a... It's like a, it's got to be like a Scorsese film or... Where's Shauna? She'd know the answer to all leave of these. Leave the gun, take... Leave, leave the gun, take the cannoli. Leave the gun. I don't know. Uh, you, your hint? Yes, a hint. Yeah, I forgot about the hint. It's either Scarface... My Cousin Vinny or The Godfather? Uh, it would be My Cousin Vinny, I'm pretty sure. It is The Godfather. It is? Ah, I was, was going to say, The Godfather was never that funny, but anyway. <laughs> well, it's not funny, depending what on how you say that? it. What scene was that? We'll have to watch it. Again. Um, so that's all we have for you guys today, but thank you so much, like, on behalf of Launchpad for coming to the podcast. Um, I know we both had a lot of fun asking you guys questions um, about the restaurant. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoy this episode, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, you guys. <laughs> <laughs>